We sang uh, in our first song about crying out to the Lord, and in Psalm 40, we read about King David crying out. We read about being freed from, uh, being rescued, redeemed, being freed, and, and we're no longer slaves, and we're no longer in that darkness. And in Psalm 40, King David talks about being in the pit of darkness and despair. But we sang a song that that helps us to remember to bring us out of that. And then we sing this song, The Stand, about um, standing for Him with arms high and heart abandoned. And in Psalm 40 we read that that God rescues and redeems David from his pit, from the problem, and then sets him on a firm foundation, on a rock where David can then stand strong because it's not of his own volition, his own strength. It's, it's the solid foundation that God has given him. And so we sang three songs already, and we'll sing another one later. But we sing songs to help us connect with the very Word of God, and we have been doing that already. And so in a minute or two, I'm going to read Psalm 40, but that is the psalm we're in. So if you have your Bibles, and we always encourage you to bring your own Bibles to church because we do open them and go through them as we love to preach through books of the Bible. But this summer, we're doing a a series in the Psalms, and we've looked at many different kinds of Psalms. And today, we're going to look at Psalm 40. It is a, a psalm sort of with two halves. It's another psalm of King David. He wrote most of them, I think about 72 of the 150 psalms that we have. And, and uh, David talks about being rescued out of a pit. But then he talks about how he's kind of fallen into a, another pit. Did you ever fall down and then just right away get up and then fall down again? Did that ever happen to you? And so, um, you know, there, there's a story about a guy who, he, um, he's driving along a, a farm road, and there's beautiful farms on both sides of him, and he, he gets his car stuck in a muddy hole. It's a, a big pothole he didn't see, and it's full of muddy water. And so a farmer comes along and says to the man, you know, I'll, I'll pull your car out of the mud, but I'm going to have to charge you $50 to do it because this is the 10th time today that I've had to pull a car out of the mud. And so the driver says, wow, the 10th time already today. Well, when do you even have time to plow your land at night? And the farmer says, no, no. Nighttime is when I fill the hole with water. (laughs) See, sometimes somebody else is creating a hole full of water for us. And sometimes we dig that hole ourselves, don't we? And so in Psalm 40, David actually addresses both enemies. We know that we have a spiritual enemy. But he also addresses his own sin and the consequence of which could be and often is a hole that we try to get out of ourselves. But there is only one who can reach down and offer a hand of salvation. Amen. Psalm 40 is is one of my favorites. But the key to this psalm, which I'll read in a minute, is is that we do fall into holes from time to time, whether it's a hole created by our enemy, a pothole filled with water to deceive us, where it looks like the road is smooth going, or it's a hole that we have dug ourselves, one of our own making. 
because of our sin and disobedience to God. But in either case, our God offers an outstretched arm of rescue each and every time. And Psalm 40 gives a beautiful picture of that process, that that pattern of the Christian life about falling down, crying out to God, waiting for His help, reaching out to accept His loving arm of rescue, and then telling others about it so they can find how to be rescued as well. It's a beautiful pattern that we see. And so I'm going to look, I'm going to read this now. And this is Psalm 40. It'll be up on the screen for you. Um, this is one of my favorites. And I will share a little bit today about how this Psalm has played a um, significant role in um, my growth as a believer, especially during a time when I was in the deepest and darkest of pits that I have ever been in in my life. This is Psalm 40, 17 verses, a psalm of David to the choir master. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, Yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. For then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot even see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I'm poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Oh my God. What a, amen. Thank you. What a wonderful psalm. Again, um, perhaps it's one that you are familiar with. 
and I hope that you are, the first three verses of this psalm are verses that I memorized, and I'll share a little bit about that in a moment. But um, one of the things that I do really appreciate about this psalm, in the first three verses, he gives us an outline. It's really a, an outline uh, of a pattern of how we are to live the Christian life. And so I'm going to focus on those those three verses, but we will read the rest in sections to see how he fills in the details. Because in this beautiful psalm, which remember is a song, the psalms are the songbook. It's a songbook of the ancient Hebrews, and we get many of our contemporary worship songs from, uh, of course, from the scriptures and especially from the psalms. But they are words of poetry put to music to be sung in the congregation to bring worship to God. And so in the first three verses, he gives us this pattern of what it's like to live uh, with God. It's the Christian life. Because he says, first of all, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. So first off, he doesn't even say it, but it's implied he's in trouble, right? So he's in a pit. So first there is a problem. Then he cries to the Lord for help. But then he has to wait. And he waits. And he waits patiently. But then God offers his arm of rescue. He accepts that rescue. And God then puts a new song in his mouth. It's a song for him to sing. We're not given a song to keep to ourselves and David says it many times in the psalm. He says, I haven't hidden it in my heart. I've told other people what you've done for me. I've told them about how you rescued me from the deep and the dark well and the mire and the clay. And so there's a new song. We are to sing it, which means we tell others about how God has rescued us. And then the result of which is that others come to know him. Amen. That is us telling the gospel story by telling our story. It's, it's sharing our testimony, church. It's letting other people know what Christ has done for you. There's an old saying that people may doubt what you say, but they'll believe what you do. You live out your life as David is describing. You live it out, you cry out to him, and you see that rescue. You can then tell others. You then have that experience. No one can take that away from you. That is your testimony, which means simply you testifying to the truth of what God has done for you. Church, do you realize that that is God's plan to bring salvation to this world, this broken and fallen and desperate world? Do you know that we are His plan? you believe that? We are His plan. The church, until He returns for us, individually or as a church... He said, I'm going to use you. He calls us to himself through Jesus Christ. Then we go and we tell others. See, we learn of the truth of who God is. We grow in our faith and our trust. And then how do we serve others? First and foremost, the best way we can serve other people is by telling them about Jesus. Say, you know, I used I was in a hole once. I fell in a hole once and... And uh, I was I was deep into it, and it was darkness all around me, and I couldn't see. And and maybe your story is that it was because of your own sin. Maybe it was of no fault of your own. And then you 
you realized there was light shining down and you reached out for that light. It was the hand of God and he rescued you and set your feet on a rock, a firm foundation. He gave you a new song to sing and I'm going to sing that song for you now. I'm going to tell you about what Jesus has done for me and that's how others come to know and to fear the Lord. See, that's the idea. If you've been given a song to sing, uh, David uses that poetically to talk about uh, your new life in Christ. You need to tell others about it. Right? Elsewhere, Jesus tells a parable about how um, a light, right, is not supposed to be hidden. A lamp is not to be hidden under a bushel because the lamp is has one really one purpose, and that is to light things up, right? To enlighten what's going on, to shed light on what's go- on the darkness around it. We are to be the salt and the light to this dark and hopeless world. And so it's a beautiful pattern here in the first three verses of Psalm 40 because he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. That word inclined, I love it because here's what it means. This is what God did for us. If we're, if, if we're here and we're crying out, here's what God does. He goes like this. He inclined to me. He went closer. What is that, my child? That, that's what God does. So I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me. He heard my cry. So then He drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. It wasn't just some comfortable hole that He could climb out of. He, at the bottom of a well where there's no water, there's still going to be uh, there's still going to be mud and mire and, and, and clay. And what happens when you try to move around in that? Don't you kind of get further dug in, and your feet get stuck, and and that's what happens when we try to rescue ourselves and it says that he freed me upon a rock set my feet made my footsteps secure he put a new song in my mouth a song of praise to our god many will see in fear and put their trust in the lord see that's the pattern we realize that we are in a pit we cry out to the lord for help and then we wait and we wait patiently i pro- i would guess that that's where we all get stuck the most right I think we can all recognize when we're in a pit. I think we can all say that uh, our first reaction is we cry out for help. We might then try to crawl our way out, but we cry out help. But then are we willing to wait and wait patiently? Sometimes it's days and weeks. Sometimes it's months. And some of you are sitting here saying, I've been crying out for years. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And eventually, in his time, what did he do? He inclined, and he did hear my cry. And then God offers that rescue. We receive that rescue by faith, that we believe that God can lift us out of the pit. He sets our feet on firm foundation. Don't we need a firm foundation now more than ever? We did that series in First Thessalonians, right? Called Confident Living, right? During what? During, yeah, unstable times, uncertain times, right? I mean, we don't, we don't want to be shaken, but things in our lives, whether it's our, of our own doing or not, they can shake us to the core sometimes. And, and David is saying, not only did God rescue me, he put my feet on firm foundation. I didn't just crawl out and God said, all right, good luck, <laughs> put his feet on a rock 
right? And God is our rock. So we stand on him and his truth about who he is and our relationship with him. And then David doesn't leave it there. He says, and so God put a new song in my mouth. I got this new, this new story to tell. And I'm going to sing it. I'm going to tell it to people because then it says, uh, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's how others come to Christ. And I, I mean, if we had the time and we could all go around and share our testimony, you can think right now, who was the person, maybe a group of people, but who is that one person in particular that shared their story with you? There's somebody in your life. Maybe you didn't even know it at the time, but there was somebody who was singing a new song. God had rescued them and redeemed them from some kind of pit of darkness, and they shared with you the light of the good news of the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ. You are here today, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, as the only way for forgiveness of of your sins, there is somebody that God put in your life, that put in your path, that sang that song to you, that told you that story about how he had redeemed them. So that is the pattern. But then the rest of the psalm, David kind of fills in some details, and they're important details that we can use sort of like like some parameters, and how do we um, do these things, and what are the important aspects that we are to look for when we're in a hole, when we're crying out for help, when we're waiting patiently, when we're recognizing God's offer of help, which is not always easy for us, and then are we willing to accept it, and then what do we do once we're rescued? And we're, man, I'm just glad I'm out of that situation. Then we go along our merry way. And we say, God, thank you. And I want to tell others about how good you are. So that others will put their trust in you. So in verses 4 and 5, and we'll do this briefly, a couple of, uh, we'll just go through a few verses at a time. You can see how he outlines this, right? So verses 4 and 5. Uh, David says, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. He says, you have multiplied, O Lord, your wondrous deeds, and and, uh, none can compare to you. And he goes, I'll proclaim them, but they're even more than can be told. See, so verses 4 and 5, David says, put your trust in the Lord and no one else. Put your trust in the Lord and no one else. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? <laughs> I mean, you're going to trust the, the first couple of people that come along. They, there may be people in our lives, church, where we look like we can trust them. But who do we go to first when we are in need? Where do we place our trust or in whom? Psalm 69, the psalmist also says something very similar. Save me, O God. For the waters have come up to my soul. I have sunk in the deep mire, and there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and a flood overflows me. Sound familiar? That's from Psalm 69. It's the same sentiment. It's about being stuck. It's about being stuck where there's only darkness and despair. I think David has been there before. And we all fall into multiple holes, right? Sometimes at the end of the day, you lay down, but my my day was full of holes. And I stepped into every one of them, right? But so he says in verses 4 and 5, don't put your trust in anyone else but first the Lord. 
And if the, maybe he'll send other people to help you. Maybe it's a doctor, maybe it's a counselor, maybe it's a friend with a word from God. But first and foremost, we look to him, God, send me the help. It may be in the form of somebody else or in, in, in another person that we know and trust. But first and foremost, where do we go for our help? There's other scripture that, that says, do not put your trust in princes or in kings. I paraphrase that, but you've all heard that. Right? Don't put your trust in anyone else but the Lord. And so that's what he's telling us in verses 4 and 5. But then he also says, you know what? I'm proclaiming, I'm telling others that they can trust you. But all those good things you've done, it's more than I could ever say. Church, you'll never run out of things to testify about God to other people. You'll never run out. Verses 6 to 8. He says, you know what? I'm summarizing. He says, it's, it's the heart that you want, God. So he's given us the pattern of the Christian life. And then he says, make sure you trust God first. And you'll never, uh, you'll, you'll never run out of great things to say about God. Verses 6 to 8, he says, God, you didn't want those empty sacrifices and offerings. Yes, it's good to serve God and to be in church every Sunday and be with your community and and to do those things for others. But what is David saying? He's like, God, I know that's not first and foremost what you want. He says, in sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, verse 6, but you've given me an open ear. How about that? I love that. At the beginning he says, you inclined to me and heard my cry. And then he's saying, But on the other end, God, you've given me that ear to hear your voice. Church, the way that you stay in tune with God is by being obedient to his word and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Right? That is how we show our love to God. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. And so in our obedience, being obedient children to our Father, and then what happens is we realize it's not just about It's not just about keeping the rules of God. See, we've been set free from the law. right? Didn't Jesus spend so much time with the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the lawgivers and those that were the leadership of of the, the Hebrew people? And he said, you're leading my people astray because you're all about the letter of the law and you're missing the heart of God behind it. So Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law. He wants our heart to turn our heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Psalm 56, he says, Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not even in your book? See, he says it's not just about following rules and and just, oh, I just read my Bible today. And yes, that's good, but where's the heart behind it? See, what's your motivation? And so David is saying in in verses 6 to 8, You want my heart, God, I know it. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If it's a hole you dug yourself by your sin, God says as a believer, confess your sins. And he's faithful and just not only to forgive your sins, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's like what David says, he'll lift you out of the pit, but he'll also set your feet upon a rock. God will forgive you of your sins, but he'll give you a way and a help and the strength and the wisdom and the courage to not fall into that same sin again. That's what he's saying. He wants our heart. Not the sacrifices and the offerings. 
the heart behind it first and foremost. Romans 12.1, Paul says, Therefore I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. It's about giving ourselves. Then verses 9 and 10. In verses 9 and 10 he says, I've told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation like to everybody. I proclaimed it in the church. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know. I have not hidden your deliverance from within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness, and I have not concealed your steadfast love from the great congregation. So that goes along with, he put a new song, see, in our heart. And David says, you put a new song in my mouth, and and then I'm going to sing it so that others will come to know and trust in you. Verses 9 and 10, he says, I I did that, God. I told other people. And so for us, church, that is our um, challenge this morning. And maybe a conviction. If you know God has rescued you, you have that testimony, are you telling other people about it? You need to share the, the content of the gospel. And we went over it last week. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember 1 Corinthians 15. Paul outlines it, makes it very clear, right, of what was given to him as first priority. And what he said, this is the priority of the gospel, nothing else, just the pure gospel. That Christ died as it was proclaimed in the scriptures. He was buried as proof of his death. He rose again according to the scriptures and appeared to many. See, there was scriptural evidence and physical evidence of Christ's death and resurrection and that is what we proclaim is that the story we are telling about how he died for me he rose again for me let me tell you about the new life i have in him this new song i have been given to sing we share our testimonies you know um i've shared it many times here i shared a part of my testimony when i was candidating here over five years ago about how in 1999 I started to experience signs of depression and anxiety, and it got worse and worse, misdiagnosed, and and um, finally properly diagnosed as depression and anxiety and panic disorder, and started to see a Christian counselor and went on medication for it. And God rescued me out of that deepest, darkest pit, a place I would not wish on my worst enemy, and many of you here can give a similar testimony when i began to share my story in detail in front of other people and at churches inevitably at the end of the service i would have lines of people waiting to talk to me many in tears not because of anything i said i just shared with them that new song that god put in my mouth because he rescued me from that pit and he was still in the process of rescuing me. But I could see the light of day and I shared about what he had done for me. And so many other brothers and sisters in the Lord came to me and said, I didn't know a Christian could be anxious or be depressed or just streams of tears coming down their face saying, my, my spouse, my, my sibling, they're going through this as well. Thank you for sharing. It wasn't anything I did. I just shared my story. I just told them how, how God had rescued me from that pit and, and that there was light at the end of the tunnel. And here is what it looked like for me. That's the power of your testimony. You all have a song to sing. Are you singing it? Because that is how God is going to bring others to himself when you tell them what God has done for you. 
People, nobody can take away your personal testimony. You, you might fumble the actual uh, words. You, you pray that God gives you the words. You might fumble the scriptures and, and, and all. But you know what? God's going to use that because we are just to plant the seed, right? We just tell others, God does the saving. We don't have to convince anybody into heaven. God draws people to himself. It, it says that the, the eyes of, of the sinners, right, have been blinded by Satan... And only God can remove that veil. See, only God can remove those blinders. All we do is we point the way and we share the gospel. That's the seed of truth. That is our calling to sing that song because we all fall into the pit. We reach out by faith and receive God's right hand of rescue. In verses 11 and 12, Interesting, it kind of takes a turn here. In verse 11, he says, As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Sounds to me like he's fallen back in another hole. Like God has rescued him in the past, but he's got a new problem. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) I think we can all relate to that. God, you're not going to restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Exclamation point. Why can he say that confidently? Because he knows it was God who rescued him the first time. And if God rescued him from that pit and that hole, he can certainly do it with the new one. But see, I think we all, we all stumble and fall over that, don't we? We, if we sit and think about it, we can look back and tell story after story about how good God is to us and how he has redeemed and rescued us and saved us from, from peril, from darkness, from fear, from anxiety. From panic disorder, from depression, from broken relationships, from from others abusing us physically, verbally, emotionally, whatever it is. We can tell a story of what God has done for us. But inevitably, because we live in broken bodies in a broken world, and I don't have to tell you that, you know all about that just like I do, there will be another hole. And we can get better and better. The idea is is to be able to avoid those potholes more and more as you stick to the Lord's will. You see? We'll never be perfect. There'll be a hole here and there. We'll say, that looks like a good... There's definitely... There's water there, but there's definitely no hole underneath it. I can drive over that one. See, we do that because we're not yet perfected. But in verse 11 and 12, he basically says, stay faithful. God, I know you're going to do it because you did it once before. And then verses 13 to 15, he gets real specific and he says, Lord, deliver me from my enemies. See, sometimes it's a sin. And boy, didn't King David have his own um, struggles with sin? Some big time sin. And I think we're familiar with that. But here he's talking about enemies. And sometimes... The holes in front of us are dug by other people. And that's a shame, but we've all experienced that. People in our lives who have purposely done that. But if not, we know that we have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan. And he will create those holes and he'll make them look like an oasis. He'll make it look like it's no problem and we'll fall right into it. We get tempted, don't we? But see, he says, protect me from my enemies. So there are, there are problems that are caused from the inside and problems that are caused from the outside. And then he ends with verses 16 and 17. He says, 
But all who seek you rejoice and be glad. He's like, just praise God like I, I want to do right now. And may those who love your salvation say over and over, great is the Lord. And then verse 17, I love it. As for me, I'm poor and needy. He ends all that, how great God is to him. He says, I'm just poor and needy. Like I, I love to say often, like I'm just a beggar who found bread. I'm just trying to tell other people where to find the bread. You know, um, one of the, the uh, ministries we support is New York City Relief. And they have these really cool converted school buses that go out into different um, parts of New York City. In Manhattan and, uh, and Harlem and, and Queens and um, the Bronx. And they go and, and they bring soup and bread and socks and hygiene kits. And they bring hope and help to people that need it, to homeless, to people that are struggling with homelessness on the streets of big, bad New York City. And boy, doesn't it seem, if you watch the news, like things are getting worse and not better there? We pray for them. But what happens is, inevitably, you get people that come to that bus ministry, they get some bread and they get some hot soup, and they are filled and they have an immediate need that is satiated and filled And then oftentimes you'll see them go around the corner and come back with a friend. And they say, look what I just got, free bread. I didn't even have to pay for it. Let me show you where to get that bread. See, Jesus says he is the bread of life. Are we going around the corner and saying, look who I found. Look, and it's free. Jesus paid for it already. You don't have to pay for it. All you do is reach out and receive it and say thank you. And that's called faith. That's believing and trusting. See, that's the beauty of our story. That's the beauty of Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the mire and the clay, and He set my feet upon a rock. He made my footsteps firm, and He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God so that many would see and know and Come to trust in the Lord our God. See, that's the pattern of our life. And, and then he says, make sure that you do that often and you tell other people, you sing your, your story because there's going to be other holes, you know. And in verse 17, he says, I'm just poor and needy. Is that good perspective? Because we can, we can start doing things on our own, can't we? We can accomplish a lot of things without God. But are they things that are lasting? Are they things that are eternal? Is it true hope? Is it true peace? Is it true freedom when we find it elsewhere other than from Jesus Christ himself? God will use the humble. He will resist the proud. Let's have that perspective. I'm just me. I'm just poor and needy. I'm no great thing. I'm just going to tell you where I found that bread of life. Because look at what he has done for me. So David finds himself in a pit. He cries out and then he waits and he waits patiently. And sometimes we have to wait and wait and wait. The Lord offers a hand of rescue, receives it by faith, puts a new song in his mouth, and then he sings that song so others can hear the gospel. There's a guy walking down a street, and he falls into a hole. Just going for a nice walk, and he falls into a hole, and the walls are so steep, and it's so dark that he cannot find his way out. And so a doctor passes by, and the guy shouts up, Hey, you up there, can you help me out? 
And so the doctor writes a prescription and throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, I'll say a priest, I'll say a pastor too. I don't want to just, you know, talk about the Catholics. Priest, a pastor, a father, a rabbi comes along. And the guy shouts up, Father, I'm down in this hole. Can you help me out? And, And the priest writes out a prayer, throws it down in the hole, and he moves on. But see, just then a friend walks by and the guy says, hey, hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And his friend Joe jumps down into the hole. And the guy says, Joe, are you stupid or something? Now we're both down here. But Joe says, yeah, but I've been down this hole before and I know the way out. See, that's us. We've been down a hole before and we have friends that are down there now. And are we just going to kind of write a note and say, wish you well, call me when you get out? Or are we going to jump down in and say, hey, this might sound weird, but I know how to get out of here because I I recognize this hole. And let me tell you, we're not going to be able to get out of here on our own. You just pray and and we'll pray, we'll do our part and we're going to wait faithfully and we're going to wait patiently until you see that light and there's going to be an arm reaching down. You can trust that arm. Take that arm and he'll lift you out of the pit. And it's going to be nice, solid ground up there. Like ground you've never been on before that you'll be able to walk and stand firm. See, and it's going to be the risen Lord. He's going to put a new song in your mouth. And it's, it's going to, you're not going to be able to contain it. You're going to have to tell other people and sing that song about what Christ has done for your life. You know what? Then others are going to come and tell you. Then you're going to be able to jump down in another hole and help somebody else see. And that's the Lord Jesus. Jesus suffered for us. Jesus has been down that hole. He knows what it's like. He knows what death is like. And therefore, we can trust him with new life. Amen.